We are back. It is the Rush Fan Cast with Jerry and Steve. Hey, Jerry. Hi, Steve. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Last, ready to, ready I'm, to tackle the second half of Hold Your, hold fire. your fire. Yeah. So you may be listening to these back to back and just heard us wrap up the first half of Hold Your Fire. Are you fire. talking to me? I'm, I'm, I'm with you right here. I'm you, pa- the listener. Oh, okay. Maybe listening to this, not you, Jerry, you, the listener, (laughs) may be listening right after you heard the first half, which is great, or you may be waiting with bated breath for a whole week to hear. Depends on on when you start listening. Exactly. But anyway, this is episode four of the Something for Nothing podcast. We're calling it that because you're getting it for nothing, and you'll continue to get it for nothing until we decide to charge people for it, which we we never will. No. Not going to happen. Um, anyway, you can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast, on Instagram, the TheRushCast. You can email us at TheRushCast at gmail.com. Do all of those things. And since Jerry is handling the email, send him lots of emails. Right. Just bother him with junk. Yeah, I like junk. Because he, he likes that. Yeah. So, uh, so please do. Anyway, um, side two, if you've got the vinyl copy of Hold Your Fire, which you don't. I don't know if I ever did. Did I never we? did either. I thought I did. You know, before we, I kinda we did this us. podcast, I went over to my records and I was going to pull it out. I don't have it. I kind of remember listening to it on vinyl, though. I could have sworn that we had the first, you remember we were talking about last time, the first time we listened to it, it yep. had to be on vinyl. Yeah. It had to be, didn't it? Yes, it had I to mean, be. I mean, the first CD I bought, I think, was in 1987, but I don't think it was this one. Yeah. I think it was something else. I mean, that was when I got my first CD player back back in the same year that this album was released. I think the first CD I ever got was a gift from someone, and I think it was Peter Gabriel's So. Mine was Queensryche, Operation <laughs> Mind Crime. We saw that tour. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. I think the fans of Queensryche, at that time at least, were similar in vain to Rush fans, sort of-ish. I know? haven't listened to Operation Minecraft. It's a, a good album. Time. It's a good album. Does it still hold up though? Like the, I think whatever the story is behind uh, it. Maybe not, but I think the album itself is probably their best one. I should probably listen to that again. Yeah. What I was mean, the hit off that album? Uh, there wasn't a hit off that album. There was one song, wasn't it? Or was that the next album? Uh, that was the next album. Empire had um, Silent Lucidity. There you go. Silent that Lucidity. was that was the Queensrÿche hit. Yeah. The Queensrÿche hit. Right. So anyway, back to Rush. We were going to talk about the the album cover and the art of the album, weren't we? We were. The album cover is a what is it impressionistic? It's not even a it's not even an image. It's just three red balls on a red background. Right. And on the inside of the album, you can see uh, a man juggling three fireballs. Right. It kind of looks like Joe Pesci. A little bit. A little bit like Joe Pesci. He, he looks like the guy. Do you ever see the the movie Who Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. He looks a little like the guy. He who, does look like that guy. What's who, that guy's name? I have no idea, but that's who it looks. It could be him. Might be. We could, I guess we could look it up. We could. I'm not going to. You're not going to. No. But there's a couple of interesting things. There's, so on the inside, what would have been the album sleeve, yeah, this guy's obviously drunk. He looks drunk to me. Okay. Because his shirt- Can you show it to me? Show it to his me. His shirt is untucked. He's chewing on a cigar like he's at the racetrack. Right. And he's juggling three fireballs, which is something a, a sober person wouldn't do. Now, to all. me, it, does that look like the same street that they were carrying the moving pictures on on the front cover of moving pictures, or am I just... No, it could be, because there are references to other Rush albums on here. There's, we... a, there's a little a fire hydrant. Okay, so that's Signals. Signals. 
in the window are the TVs from Power Windows. Okay. Do you think the street maybe is the same street that the moving pictures were being moved on? I don't know. It's obviously a miniature because you can see the, the car is a miniature. Right. It's not a real size. It's not on a street. It's some kind of miniature thing. There's a, a restaurant in the back. Some what looks like, I'm assuming, Chinese lettering mm-hmm. on this thing. And never tried to translate it. Might just say Taishan. I don't know. Taishan. <laughs> Your favorite say. song, Taishan. Yep. My favorite song. And there's a cat over in the corner. And there's a, there's a newspaper on the ground, which might be a reference to the cover of Permanent Waves. The one interesting thing about this guy juggling is that this is not how you juggle. Oh, explain. When you, when how you, do you juggle, Jerry? Well, I, I can juggle a little bit. Barely. Can you juggle fireballs? No, nobody can juggle fireballs because they're on fire. <laughs> His hands should be burned to a crisp. But when you're, when you're juggling three balls... All three balls are not in the air at the same time. All three balls are in the air. This one's close. Is it one in his hand? It's close to his hand. It's not in his hand. Okay. So there's always a ball in your hand. There's always like, there's only one ball and like two balls in the air at one time. It's just not, it's yeah, just that, not an accurate representation. Is, that ball is barely in the air though. That yeah, one I know, but it's hand. also not in his hand. All right. Okay. I mean, it's Look, obvious. You're the juggling expert. I... It's obviously, he's obviously he's not actually juggling. So, um... Another interesting thing about Hold Your Fire is that Getty plays uh, a different bass on this album called the Wall Bass. Really? And it's got um, five strings. On this particular song, he play. I think it's this song. Does he play? Yeah, he plays a five-string bass on a lock, and key. lock and Key, which I failed to introduce as the next song we're going to talk about, but that is. Um, so he gets the deeper notes so that the fifth string is a lower string on the bass. Right. So the E string, which is normally the lowest string, becomes the second string, and then there's a lower B. Hmm. So he's got five extra low notes he can play. Is that what he's doing at the beginning? Because this Yeah, oh it's really yeah, he gets a really deep, you know, low notes on, on the bass on this album. Yeah, on this cr- song especially. It is a, it, it sounds like he's playing a chord almost when he's playing this. It's yeah. so many notes at the same time. What mm-hmm. is he doing? I don't know. He's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Tentacles. He's brilliant. Set of hands. And the other thing I read about this particular song is that Getty said that the music and the lyrics were created simultaneously. Wow, that's rare yeah. for them, right? Yeah. So that he wanted them to fit together perfectly. So they, you know, it wasn't like Neil wrote the lyrics and said, "Hey, Getty, here you go." Um, usually, I think what happened was Getty and Alex would get together and come up with some songs. Neil would come up with some lyrics, and then they'd kind of bring them together and see which ones fit with which, you know, and then try and fit one into the other or vice versa. But in this case, they did it at the same time. So your thoughts on uh, Lock and Key, Jerry? Well, the first thing I was going to ask you is, do you still have that list of Rush songs? Oh, right, right. Uh, We mentioned in the last podcast, Ultimate Classic Rock. Right. Put together this list of 167 Rush songs ranked. And admittedly, they had to put some songs at the bottom of the list, because if you're making a list of 167 songs, one song's got to be at the end. Do you know what that song is? It's the, the worst Rush the song worst on their list. The worst Rush song. Before we get to, and it's not from Hold Your Fire. No, I, I would it's guess n- it's definitely from either Caress of Steel or Fly By Night. No. No? Nope. I was floored when this song was listed as the worst, but I can, un- I mean, I can understand it. Obviously, it's one guy's opinion. So it's a song that you actually like. It's a song that Rush played a lot. What? A lot. I was going to say it was either uh, like Rivendell 
No. Or um, I'm sure tw- that's lower on the list. Or from 2112, The Twilight Zone. No. Which is just a, the goofiest song, I think. I don't. I don't know. What would it be? Tell me. Well, when I when I read you the set list from this tour, it was the last song they did. In the mood. Yep. This guy picked "In the Mood" as the worst Rush song. He's he's wrong. Well, of course he's wrong. <laughs> of course he's wrong. I mean, I I can see why. I mean, look lyrically, it's yeah, it's not the best. It's, it's not the best. It's very but, very juvenile, very basic. Yeah, but it's. If, I mean, I like the Fountain of Lemneth mm-hmm. as as a, as a song, but he really likes the Fountain of Lemneth better than he likes "In the Mood." That seems I, absurd. This is not the first time we're going to bring up the Fountain of Lem... How do you say that? Lemneth? Lemneth. I always screw that up. Why? I always, I always say Lamenth. I don't know why. <laughs> well, are you going I to... get the M and the N mixed up. Are you going to bring it up soon or just when we talk about the album? When we talk about a particular song on the album, I'm going to bring that up. Really? Yes. How about, how about that? It better not be Taishan. It's not Taishan. Thank God. So anyway, um, I'm sorry. Back to Lock and Key. Lock and Key. I don't want to face the Production wise, Getty, I don't know if it happens on other songs, but Getty's like layering his vocals on this song mm-hmm. a lot. Do they ever do that? I've never heard Getty's voice doubled. I don't think so. I don't know what kind of sound they were but going for. But they were for. experimenting with a lot of, you know, computer generated stuff on, on this record, I think. Yeah. You know, and this is just another example of just, you know, they, they experimented with a lot of things throughout the years just because they were trying different stuff, you know? Yeah. One of the things that makes Rush great is they, they didn't care what anybody thought about what they were doing. They, you know, if they had an idea and they thought it was a good idea, they, yeah, they gave it a shot. Yeah, and they have the chops to pull. Just yeah, about absolutely, else. absolutely. Uh, but the song "Lock and Key" is is about human nature, really. Mm-hmm. It's about battling against your own instincts. You have to keep whatever primal instincts people have to be animalistic. You have to keep it under lock and key. Basically, I think what the whole song is about. So it's saying to keep those, not feelings, but just those primal instincts buried in there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the lyrics are, you know, I don't want to, starts off, I don't want to face the killer instinct, face it in you or me. I think that's... Keep it know, under lock and key. It's pretty yeah. self-explanatory. Yeah. We carry a sensitive cargo before below the waterline, ticking like a time bomb with a primitive design. But a lot of people don't keep it under lock and key, Jer. Let's be honest. I think that's, yeah, I think that's what he's trying to say. At, at the end. But on the flip side, is it bad to keep everything bottled up like that? I mean, or, or are they not saying everything? They're just saying certain, certain deep-rooted primal instincts you just never come out. I think so. I mean, it, it talks, it's also sort of like the Second Nature song, which we discussed last time. It's kind of like in that vein. I mean, he says at the end, uh, there's no reward for resistance, no assistance, no applause. It's like everybody keeps these feelings deep inside, but you shouldn't be like praised for for doing that. It's like, right. oh, look at this person's not killing other people. Right. Look at this person walking around not. So you don't get applause for uh, for being a decent human being. I think it's really a song about being a decent human being to other people. He says, you know, sometimes strong emotions can tip the scale. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, people, you know, lose it, have a bad day, mm-hmm. and just lash out. But for the most part, everybody tries to keep it under wraps. 
Mm-hmm. Which again isn't. And should they? Yeah, should they? I think yeah, they should. Mm-hmm. They should have outlets for. Well, why don't it, you? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> why don't I keep my baser instincts under lock and key? It's a great question. Best question we've asked so far on the right. podcast, and Jared. There's no answer for it. <laughs> I'm just a jerk, I suppose. You know, you were you were mentioning uh, we got off on way off on this tangent, and I totally forgot you were asking me about the ultimate classic rock list and where we we started talking about in the mood and right got totally away from where the rest of the songs on Hold Your Fire fell on this list. Right, and all of the remaining songs on Hold Your Fire fell between numbers 142 and 159 on this list of 167. So on in the very deep dark end of this list wow is side two of hold your fire clearly the guy who wrote the article is one guy i'm not going to mention him it doesn't make a difference but he obviously isn't a hold your fire fan yeah i can i I gathered that and maybe not a you know i I keep saying real rush fan but you know i mean I, i almost feel like if you're a real rush fan you at least appreciate every aspect of rush's career i right but like you said last time there have to be songs at the bottom. Right, but do, do all the songs have to be from one <laughs> yeah, album, that's Jared? True. That's the thing, you know? I mean, it's like, well, at my list of 167 songs, every song on, I don't know, Test for Echo is at the bottom, you know? Mm, I mean, if you strange. say that, obviously there are favorite albums and there are other albums that you don't like as much, but you're not going to pick every song from one album and just bury it at the bottom of your list. Right. If you're a real Rush fan, I think. Maybe we should talk about the list, this guy's list at a different time on its own episode because I really want to know what the, what his yeah. number one song is. I want to know what the top 10 are. I mean, I, I'm assuming I could guess what the top 10 are, but we should probably figure that out later. Yeah, we could do that later. So let's move on to what you said is your favorite song it on is. this album, uh, Mission. Spirits fly on dangerous missions Imaginations on fire Focused high on soaring ambitions Consumed in a single desire In the grip of a nameless possession Slave to a driving obsession A spirit with a vision is a dream With a mission It's a pretty straightforward song. Again, I mean, obviously, uh, it begins with the title of the album. So it's in that way, it's important to the whole theme of the album. Mm-hmm. And it's about inspiration, basically. Being it's, inspired to be a better person? I think it's more a creativity thing. Okay. You know? But it's interesting that, you know, we tend to think of, like, professional creative people, actors, painters, writers, musicians, as being at the, like at the top of their field. And they are, right? Like Rush, they're great musicians. But there are musicians better than them. What? Yeah, I would no. imagine. At least they think there are. Well, of course they do. Right? Because they're Which reasonable is, They're reasonable. They're people. reasonable human beings. But that's, that's the thing, is that even to, to Neil, there are other creative people that he wishes he were more like. He wishes he had more drive, unless, unless, like we said last time, he's, this is not a personal song. Again, it sounds like a personal song. Mm-hmm. That he wishes he had the drive of other creative people. And Which is amazing to me, because who has more drive than Neil? I know, he seems very monomaniacal about things. Right, but he may, you know, he may not be, uh, you know, his, I don't I wouldn't, I don't want to say he doesn't have great self-esteem, but maybe he doesn't think as highly of his work as 
we do, you know? Yeah, uh, creative people can be a little self... Deprecating? Yeah, a little overly critical. Right. Hard to believe, but mm-hmm. I guess it's true. So yeah, the reason why I love this song is that I, I, can, I can connect to this song. I always have because it's, about not, it's not enough to have an idea of what you want to do. It's not enough to have dreams. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into doing things that seem spontaneously creative. There's a lot of groundwork you have to lay, especially if you're a musician. Right. You have to practice for years, right? Where you're just making noise. Oh, yeah. You know? And, and even Rush, I mean, when they went into the studio to record an album, they had to rehearse for weeks. Right. Just to get their chops back after hanging out on a mountain in China for summer. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, seriously. Yeah. You know, because, you know, Neil would go away and he wouldn't pick up a drumstick for months. Right. I mean, that's great, but, you know, in order to create this kind of great music, you've got to work at it. Yeah, it's, it's just really anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, writers, when they first start writing, they're not good. Nobody, right. Nobody's born to be creative. Well, clearly you don't have to do a lot of work to make a podcast, though. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we had so much groundwork. <laughs> we had to buy microphones. Uh, I think we bought a couple of plugs. This should be a lesson, Jer. I have nothing to say about that anyway. <laughs> anyway but, no, I but it's, it. it's a really, really, really beautiful song. Uh, it's it's an, another introspective song. But there's one part at the end where he says, it's cold comfort to those without it to know how they struggled, how they suffered about it. Great. It, it's great because, you know, if you're like, uh, well, we look at, you know, we look at the finished product, right, as fans. Mm-hmm. We just look at a finished product. But when, you know, it's just like, well, if they were to say, if anybody were to say, well, yeah, but I, you know, I worked on this painting for two years, you know, and I did 50 versions mm-hmm. of it before that one. But nobody sees that, you know, and, and to, the, to the casual observer who wishes they could do that painting, it is cold comfort to be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, well, right. tough. You had to work on it really hard, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, because you can never envision yourself doing something so amazing and right. creative because most people would give up after yeah, most people, wouldn't, most people wouldn't put the effort in that, right. that Neil would put in to, to write the lyrics to this song, for right. instance. So I found a couple of quotes on um, a website called songfacts.com. I've been there before. Um, so this is uh, Getty Lee on the song Mission. Uh, he says it basically grew out of a conversation Neil and I had about the kind of people we consider ourselves to be. Mm. People who always knew what they wanted to do in their lives and always had the ambition and desire, but couldn't make a choice as to what to do. It was always very clear we had to do what we do, whether we were a success or failure. We knew we'd always play music in some way. Mission also looks sadly at people who have never really been sure what they should be doing and have never had a clear-cut idea of where to put their creative ability to reach a final, ultimate conclusion. Right. So there you go. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> and, and it's cold comfort to know that he said it. And you know, of course, there's no quote from Neil because Neil never talks to anybody. Neil never but, talks. But Alex, who again was probably buried a bit in this song, his yeah. his quote: "Mission came out a lot better than I thought it would." Wow, that's it. <laughs> it had gone through quite a few changes since its inception, and it ended up being much better than it started out. Wow. Wow. I would love, you know, it's one thing you never, there are so many bands when, you know, their careers end or even before they put out reissues of albums and, and Elvis Costello does this, right? He put out, he puts out reissues a lot and he'll have 
his reissue will have so many outtakes of the songs. It's like an entire album mm-hmm. of just outtakes and different versions and songs that re- were recorded during that session but never were mm. released. Rush never does that. Do they ever do that? Never. They must have of an earlier version of this song somewhere. Of course. But we will never hear it. I would love to hear it. Oh, of course I you mean, would. I mean, like the Beatles, they, they had that anthology. How many CDs was that thing? They had the, the, the only way. Stuff. The only way we're going to hear that is if Neil, Alex, and Getty are all gone and somebody who has control of their music says, screw it, let's put it out. Yeah, I don't want that though. I don't want it either. I don't want to hear it. If, I, well, I want the, them to put it out. Right. They don't want, they don't want, look, if they wanted us to hear it, we would have heard it already. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So I think, look, they're very particular about their work. They're not just going to put an outtake out for us to hear it. The finished product is what they want us to hear, not the demo. Yeah, that's true. It's a demo for a reason. Yeah. I mean, look, I appreciate that, I think. Yeah. There's another, there's another really good line in this song. We each pay a fabulous price for our version of Paradise. Or a vision of paradise is what he says. And if you think about it, you know, from 1974 to 1982 or 1983, when did when did Grace and Depression come out? 83. I see where you're going to go with this. Go ahead. How many albums did they put out? They paid a big price. They paid a huge personal price. Absolutely. Because they put out two albums in 75, two mm-hmm. albums in 80. Right. And they toured constantly. How much in family between. time did they miss? Yeah. Did they miss time with their kids? Absolutely. Yeah. They just traveled everywhere. And then when they got back from the road, they went back into the studio to record another album to go back on the road. Which is another reason why I think, you know, it's a good thing that Neil just said enough, you know, he wants to live his life. Yeah. He doesn't want to miss that stuff anymore. And sort of like- I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, they put so many albums out in in that 10 year period, Mm -hmm. right? And from this point on, I guess, I guess really power windows. It's like every two years, right? Yeah. So they took some time off in between. Absolutely. Finally. Deservedly. Yeah, deservedly. Because, you know, time stands still, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to track eight on uh, Hold Your Fire, which is, I sh- you know, I had a real, I could have just did a real good segue, Jerry. Let's yeah, turn no, the page. I I know. I just blew, blew it. it. Yeah, you you know what? I quit. No. Already? <laughs> I'm kidding. Where's uh, your stick to Turn the page. So here's the here's the question I have for you, Jared, about turn the page. Okay. This is very important. Which is better, the Rush turn the page or Bob Seger turn the page? Oof. <laughs> I think the Metallica version of the Bob Seger turn the page is superior uh, to all. You know how much I dislike Bob Seger. I know, I know. I would go with Rush. Of course, yeah, it's a great song. So oh. turn the page, Jared. And, turn the page. Uh, give us your view on turn the page. Uh, well, as I was listening to it, the one thing I wrote down was finally some bass. Oh, yeah. And finally. The ba- and the ba- to me, the bass playing on this song is the best on yeah, the album. The entire by, album. By far. Yeah. By far. And you're going to ask me how he does that? I have no unearthly what idea. It, I mean, it's, I mean, I tried when I, you know, I played bass when I was younger. I still sort of play bass, but I couldn't, couldn't do this now and yeah, could, it's, it's could really, barely do it then. I mean, I, I stack the bass in this song up against classic 
Oh yeah. Rush lines. Oh yeah. This is this is one of the best, yeah. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. By far. Yeah. By far. But what's turn the page about? Uh I think it's about not dwelling on things and and moving on either bad or or good, I guess more bad things, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And um just moving on. Turn the page. Right. No. Every day we're standing in a time capsule racing down a river from the past. Every day we're standing in a wind tunnel facing down a future coming fast. Yeah, you gotta you just gotta keep moving. You just gotta keep moving. Right? Yeah. And it's about it's sort of like uh the earlier songs, it's about being truthful. Well that's he says truth is after all a moving target. Hairs to split and pieces that don't fit. How can anybody be enlightened? Truth is after yeah. all so poorly That's lit. the best line in the yeah. song, I think. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like what I was talking about last time. It's it's hard to find the, the capital T truth. Mm-hmm. It's just it's almost impossible. Very, very, very few things do we know are true. What do you think they mean by it's just a stage? It's just the age. It's just a stage. Like a small segment of life? Yeah. It's, to me, it kind of sounds like, um you know, it's just... Uh, just a stage that we're passing through. Mm-hmm. Things sometimes are better. Things are sometimes worse. But on balance, everything's work out. Right. Generally, you just, just got to deal with it and just gotta deal keep with moving. It, keep moving. Keep seeing how the novel's going to turn out. Right. So when when Getty looks at the list and Ultimate Classic Rock <laughs> website and sees that Turn the Page was number one forty two, he just says, "He's like, yeah, whatever." Right. Keep moving. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> that the the thing that I quoted before about facing down a future coming fast. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the rapids from the past are like pushing you one way and then the, the winds from the future are coming the opposite way. Mm-hmm. So you're caught between these two kind of um, forces that are trying to keep you in one place. You know what I mean? You're frozen by what your past has done to you and you're afraid of what to do in the future. So this is kind of saying... You have to forget about that. You've you got to fight again, against that. You got to fight against that and you have to just keep on going forward. Mm-hmm. Turn the page because you really don't know what the future is going to be. And the past is the past and the future hasn't happened yet. So just keep on going forward and see where things are going. And, I, and you know, takeaway. speaking of list of Rush songs, I mean, I would put this near near the top, in the top half, I would say, of Rush songs, don't you think? I would say so now. I'm really, I really have to go through all of the songs. Right. I'm I'm really going to I think it's a very interesting thing to do. We definitely have to okay. do that. Well, right now let's turn the page and uh <laughs> see I got the segue this yeah, time, Jerry. Tai Shan. Now you have said you have said in the past this is your least favorite Rush song. It's definitely now, it, near are the you, bottom. Now let me ask you this before we get anywhere. Yep. It's well documented that Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson have both said that this is their least favorite Rush song. Really? Yes. Okay, oh, Getty said it in the So this is not the reason that you're you're saying it. But no, you're not I've been saying you're not influenced by Getty or Alex in any way, shape, or form. No, I mean I think I have heard that. Didn't Getty say it in I don't know if it was the which Get, documentary it was, or maybe with outtakes from the documentary? Getty called it an error. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've hated this song since from day one. Let's see. Uh, And Alex, here I have a quote from Alex. Ty Shan is one of the worst, easily, (laughs) he said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So um, that guy who wrote that list, again, puts in the mood behind Ty Shan. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I don't hate Ty Shan as much as you do. I mean, Alex also listed Panacea from Fountain of Lemneth. That portion of that song he also named as one of his least favorites. I don't know. I like the Fountain of Lemneth. Yeah, I like that too. I just thought I'd mention that. But I, I, don't, I don't know what it is about Tai Shan, but the thing I like about it, I, I compare it to Countdown on Signals. Mm, only because... Another bad song. No, look, I know. But the thing is, the thing that I like about it is it's an experience. In the case of Countdown, right. it's not only an experience that Neil had, but it's an experience that the entire band had. Right. And I think that Alex and Getty relate to Countdown. They they don't dislike Countdown as much as they dislike Tai Shan. I don't think they dislike Countdown at all because they were a part of it. You know, they didn't experience this with Neil. Yeah. You didn't experience this with Neil. No. I think this is a personal thing. I've rarely experienced things with Neil. Nobody has. Real. I mean, he probably was up on that mountain by himself just being introspective and experiencing Maybe that's the thing between these two songs. They're not very good. Okay. Maybe Neil was too close to the subject matter. Maybe. Look, I'm not saying it's a great song, but I think if you were to ask Neil, now, of course, we don't have any quotes from Neil asking him about this. I would love to know what Neil thinks is his least favorite song. I don't think it's this one because this was very a very personal thing to him. This is a, you know, the, the lyrics are a poem he wrote when he was in China. And it yeah. was a real moving experience for him, and it meant a lot to him. Right. And that's why, even though Getty and Alex didn't like the idea of doing the song, they did it anyway because they respected Neil so much, and he was so passionate about it. Right. Maybe they, they liked it at the time. Maybe. Or it was one of those things we were talking about before. They were experimenting. You know what? With the flute or whatever it is at the beginning. That's the part I, I think I hate the most. The way that sets up the entire song. Right, but they tried it. You know, it didn't work. Getty admits it didn't work. Alex admits it didn't work. But I think in a weird way, Tai Shan is what makes Rush great. Really? Yeah. That's because, a bold statement. Because Why? Because they don't care what you... At the time, <laughs> they don't give a crap what you think, Jared. That's They're going to do what they think is the right thing at the time. And Neil was... He was a thousand percent on board with this, I'm sure. Yeah. Getty and Alex were skeptical and they said, you know what? We love Neil. We appreciate this experience he had. He's passionate about this. Let's do it. Okay. And and I think they should be commended for that. Just for that reason, I don't think I would put it at the bottom of my Where did list. that guy in on Ultimate um, whatever? Ultimate classic rock guy made it one forty four. So they were too too high. About 20 songs or so. <laughs> 20 songs? That's crazy. That he listed worse than Ty that, Shan. So, I, I got to find out who this guy is. Um, I disagree. <laughs> so when I was, what I don't like about the song is, first of all, the, the, the flute at the beginning. Okay. Because it seems, it's, it's sort of like Neil was like, hey, you know, I wrote this song about my experience in China. Let's make it sound like a Chinese song. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I don't did, know. I don't like that. So flute you are at you saying it sounds a little racist? Is I don't that what, know you're what I'm getting at? Maybe. I don't think. See, I don't think so. I think it was the opposite. It, maybe it's I just lazy. It, I just think it's lazy to be like, here's 
a song about China. So let's put a, a. See, I don't think that's it at all. I think I think he probably experienced something in China where he went to some village and they were playing this flute, and he he probably just thought it was great. You know, whatever musical thing that they were doing in this village, and he said. I got to get one of these instruments and incorporate that into a song, you know? I guess so. It kind I mean, of reminds me, though, of, of uh, Passage to Bangkok, the beginning of Passage see, now, to Bangkok. See, now, to me, now that... That's offensive. That, 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 right, exactly. What is, see, and but that's, this is this, not that, though. This sounds like that to me. This but sounds like another... People love A Passage to Bangkok. Though. Oh, I love it, too. I just wish right. we could just cut that part out. There's no reason for it even to be at the, in the middle where it is. Right. Um, it just seems to me like, you know, that whatever piece of music that is is like stereotypical asian sounding music yeah but I, to I, evoke a certain something in the, in the listener and i, I think that's what happens i at don't the think that's the what they were going for at all well, i don't think they were going for that in either case i'm just saying from my point of view now it yeah. sounds dated and it sounds uh, i wouldn't say, would say racist it I, sounds insulting and lazy i think he meant that as you know uh, paying tribute to the the people he he met out there by incorporating that instrument, whatever it is. Right. I guess now... I think it was complete opposite. I think he was honoring them by putting it in there. Yeah. I think now we'd probably call it cultural appropriation. Okay. But, um, you know, I... We're really disagreeing about this. I I like that. We need to disagree (laughs) about certain things, don't we? I mean... Let me just say when I... First of all, I listened to the album a few times. Three times, I think. Okay. Did you skip Taishan? I skip Taishan every time. Yeah, but... And the first time I listened to when I was like taking notes, like with a fresh mind, so I, just when was the the, last... I just wrote the word, nope. When was the last time you listened to that song in its entirety? I, I, I don't think... I had idea. Look, I, look you, have, you couldn't even... Sp- look, we're doing a podcast here. You couldn't spend four minutes listening to the song? No, I hate that. I really don't like it. Look, I, I didn't listen to it. We're doing a podcast here, Jer. I know. Okay? Your I... job in the podcast is to listen... <laughs> To the Rush albums before we talk about it. I've them. listened to it. I just uh, yeah, in in 1987. Maybe I think that might have been the last time I ever listened to it. Come on, <laughs> it's true. Look, going forward, <laughs> here's what we're gonna do. I can't skip we're songs. Gonna, we're gonna pick an album, and you're gonna listen to the whole <laughs> thing, and then we're gonna talk about it. I don't think any. So you, so you argued with me for 10 minutes about this song, and you haven't heard it in 30 years. I'm telling you, nothing I could, nothing would change my mind about this song. On that note, I think we should move on to the last <laughs> song on Hold Your Fire. Uh, before we even talk about this, did you listen to this? Of course, I listened to this. Okay. I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Since you actually listened to this, why don't you uh, tell us what you thought of High Water? Well, High Water is it's a song about a, a primal urge to okay. return to the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's where life began, I think, is really what this whole thing is about. Evolution begins in the water. Okay. Right? Single cell organisms started in the water, crept across the land, and here we are, talking into microphones. Okay. And I think the whole song is just about feeling that connection with nature that only being near the ocean uh, can do for you. People love going to the ocean 
People love the beach. And the reason that people love going to the beach is because we ultimately came from the beach? I think that's what he's saying in this song. Okay. That, that makes sense to me. I think, I mean, I'm not sure I, I don't buy into that exactly. I think there's a, a lot of things that are attributed to evolution that don't have anything to do with evolution cultural things and, mm. and then people try to explain this is one of those things where you know he puts in there like it's in your blood mm-hmm. people say that you know the salinity of the human body is the same as the salinity of the ocean but that's not true well let's see let me see if i can find some lyrics here yeah uh, so let's see uh, something swam through the jungles where the mighty rivers roam something breaks the silence and the water takes you home and home is Back into the water? Back into the ocean, back to where life began. Waves that crash on the shoreline, torrents of tropical rain streaming down beyond our memory, streaming down inside our veins. So the water is within us. Right. I mean, human beings are 60% water Mm -hmm. on average. I mean, everything is, except for rocks, I suppose, most living things are mostly water. Mm -hmm. It's just a strange thing to think about. Did you know Rush never played this song live, ever? No. Some of Getty's best bass work on the album is on this, uh, this song as well. Yeah, and the drums are great. And the thing I was going to mention, now the guitar, which is virtually non-existent on this album, kind of comes back in this song a little bit. Just a little bit. The riff sounds exactly like Bacchus Plateau from the Fountain of Lamneth. Oh yeah, it does. How about that? What do you think? You think he ripped himself off or kind of subliminally ripped himself off on this song? I mean, he's done it before. I think the the opening chord of Hemispheres is also the opening chord of... Far Cry? Far Cry. Okay. It's there. So I don't know if he's ripping himself off. It's just something he likes to do. Do you think he did that deliberately? I don't know. I think he did the the, the one on Far Cry deliberately. I don't know. I never picked up on the, the fact that it was the same kind of chord. But I love that part uh, of Caress of Steel. That- yeah. Bacchus Plateau, is that how you say it? Yeah. But um, it's that same riff. It is. Yeah. It's the same two chords, I think. It has to be. Yeah. It sounds exactly like it. Yeah. I can see it now. I couldn't see it before. So I, it's a great song. So it it's one of my favorites on the album and a great way to end it. Yeah. It's a and, good, it's uh, a great ending song for an album. And a great way to end the podcast. I have one more tidbit for you. Let's hear it. Do you know that Amy Mann appears on another song? No. On Hold Your Fire. No, I didn't know that. You know why you didn't know it? Because it's not true. Because you haven't listened to that song in 30 (laughs) years. She's on Tai Shan? (laughs) Yes, there's a backwards sample at the end of Tai Shan of Amy Mann. A a sample from? No, just a sample. I don't know what what she's singing, but it's backwards. Why would they do that? I don't know. The the great thing about it is you're never going to hear it. Oh, well, maybe I'll (laughs) listen to it. Just to spite you, I'm going to listen to Tai Shan. I think you should. You know what? Here's what I'd like you to do. Here's your homework for the oh, next boy. podcast, yeah. okay? I've never been good with homework. Listen to Tai Shan with an open mind. With an open mind. Forget the flute at the beginning and just <laughs> and just have... So basically ignore the song. No, just, just ignore the flute that you hate so much. Okay. And just listen to it with an open mind and come back. We'll briefly discuss it again in the next podcast. Briefly. Mm-hmm. I have to promise to listen to Tai Shan. Yes. You haven't listened to it in 30 years. I think you owe it to Getty, Alex, and Neil to give it one more shot. Or at least, they, they at don't least, even like it, at though. At least Neil. I bet you Getty and Alex haven't listened to it. You owe it to Neil. He, have they ever played Tai Shan live? Think about, think about this now, okay? You were talking about all the painstaking work it took for an artist to produce a piece of work. Yes. 
and you can't give it four minutes. I mean, think about all the work Neil put into the lyrics. Okay. Okay. I'll listen to it. All right. Okay. So with that, I think we should wrap up this episode of the podcast. What are we going to do next time? I pick. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it. Oh, you're going to let me pick? Yeah, because I think I picked these two albums that we did. I think we should do something in a completely different realm. Okay. So let's. Uh, early? We're, we're going yeah, early? we're talking about Caress of Steel. Let's do Caress of Steel. Excellent. How crazy would that be? That is a crazy go, album. Caress to, of Steel. To go from. Is a crazy album. Yeah. So I think I think we should do that next. And um, I'm going to mention again that you can um, email us at the Rush cast at gmail.com yeah let us know what you think mm-hmm. sign up for our email list send jerry all your spam anything you want right send it along there no nudes instagram the rush cast and twitter is at rush fancast. that's right which is us the something for nothing fan fan uh, i'm sorry <sighs> something for nothing podcast i know we keep calling it fan cast podcast i think rush podcast was taken by somebody who did a podcast at some point right I'm sure there have been other Rush podcasts, but this is going to be the best one. Of course. Let's hope. Yeah. Anyway, until next time, when we're going to talk about Caress of Steel, I'm Steve, and this is Jerry, and um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, Don't you have a quote for me, Jerry? Oh, yeah, sure. And remember, Steve, a spirit with a vision is a dream with a mission.